frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Listen, Pancho, I've been clocking you every second you've been in this town. If you want to pick your nose in this truck, you better clear it with me first. Otherwise, I'm taking you and this nitro right into a ditch. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio. This is the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday, I'm Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. This week, I picked Sorcerer from 1977, starring Roy Schneider and directed by the late, great William Friedkin. Uh, If you want to know what we're going to be watching next week, listen to the end of the episode and Brandon will be telling us all what that film will be. Um, Before we start the show, though, we would like to thank you for listening and sharing the show. Uh, We're glad you're here and hopefully watching the film along with us. That's how this podcast works best. You can find us on Instagram and X, formerly Twitter. We are Film Church Radio, um, at Film Church Radio. And you can um, also follow Brandon and I individually on Letterboxd. We also have some super awesome Film Church Radio merch. And we have linked that um, everywhere. You can find it on Instagram. You can find it in the show notes. Um, The link to that um, page if you want to pay communion to the church. um, And share it and wear it and do all the fun things that you can't do with an actual church. But with this church, you can wear it on your head. So go ahead and go and check that out. Um, Reasonably priced. They're good quality. We like them. We hope you do too. Um, Before we discuss the film, Sorcerer, we are going to do our hymn section. This is where we talk about other films that we've been watching this week um, before we jump into the main film. Um, Little quick reviews. So, Brandon, what have you been watching? Uh, not a ton this week, but I did catch up with the movie Renfield from yeah. this year, where Nicolas Cage is Dracula. <laughs> um, didn't know what to expect. I feel like there's lots of these movies lately that are great ideas, and the trailers look really good. Yeah. But then you go see them, and it's like, yeah. Oh. Eh. <laughs> um. This was really good. Yeah. I really liked it. Like, after finishing it, I, it felt kind of like... Do you remember when uh, Zombieland came out? I did. And it was just, like, a really good horror comedy, and everybody loved it. Yeah. That's what this felt like to me. Nice. Um, Of course, I didn't see it in cinemas. I saw it on... I think it was Amazon Prime, but... um, I think... You know, now, I, I don't know. I I guess I'm not hearing about it from other people now because everything is so saturated now. So, mm. you know, I don't know. If this had come out 10 years ago, I think it would have done better maybe. Yeah. But I feel like it's going to build up a following. Um, It is cheesy, of course. I mean, that's what you expect. Um, But... In a good way. Uh, I've, it's got a lot of like violence, but it's done really well. Um, it seems like with a lot of, 
I don't know, with a lot of movies that do cheesy horror comedy lately, it's more of just like a um, a reason to get people to come see it. But it felt like with this movie, the filmmakers were actually like having fun with it and wanting to create something that they wanted to see. So yeah. like the action is a lot of fun. Mm. Um, they really lean into it and and you know you can see what's going on and um yeah you can just tell that there was a lot of like love put into it into yeah. the filmmaking side of it and then like the script is actually pretty good mm. you know like you don't you know it i don't know like the idea is good like when you see the trailer it's like oh yeah let's focus on renfield and um but then they they do this whole thing with um there's like this this plot about codependency that, that actually comes through. You know, I feel yeah. like subplots like that in movies like these uh, sometimes like are just good ideas, but yeah. then they're not fully cooked. And it felt it really felt like I don't know, all the ideas were kind of seen through through the whole production process mm-hmm. of this movie. So. Yeah, I recommend it. It's really, really good. Awesome. It didn't feel like, ugh, here's Dracula again. No, because like we haven't, because it's Nick Cage for one thing, mm. <laughs> and it's like, and it's him. Like, I don't know. His, his version is is very. It still feels like Dracula. Like it feels like he's paying homage to all the. Yeah previous iterations but also he kind of knows he's nick cage so he's like leaning into the nick cagey things Mm. and it makes it really uh i don't know really interesting i think and plus it's more focused on renfield so it's like dracula feels more like a villain in this yeah like because you're I don't know. There's there's so much, like all the introductions and stuff is is with Renfield, and you really feel for his, um, kind of quote unquote imprisonment in this situation. Um, so when Nick Cage comes in, it really feels I don't know. It feels fresh. Feels new. Yeah. Feels like actually something we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um. And then it also, it does, like, I think if you're a fan of Dracula, there are a lot of references and um, things in there that still kind of honor the originals. Yeah. Um, You know, embrace the lore, but also, like, make fun of it at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was just a really good battle. Like, like, I, like I said, really? it's like there's so many things there to balance. Mm-hmm that you kind of go into a movie like this expecting like, oh, they're not going to get it right. Yeah. But they like nailed it. So, hmm. yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So I think you would really like it. Yeah. Um, it is still really cheesy, like I said. And like, you know, the, even though the violence is is uh, over the top and stuff and, and a little bit like, I don't know, YouTube video-esque, I would say. It's yeah. still, it's like, you know, 
the YouTube videos that they spent millions of dollars on. It's like done yeah. really well, you know what I mean? Yeah. So and really fun. Yeah. So I've got to yeah. catch up on my 2023 Dracula films because there's this, and then there's the Last Voyage of the Dementor or whatever. Yeah. So you know, I'm falling I'm behind. I'm wondering what you think of that one too. Mm. But yeah, it uh, it's really good, man. Um, but that was it for me. But we could talk for a second. I know we haven't seen it, but have you seen all the stuff about um, Five Nights at Freddy's? It, um, in terms of what, just that it's doing really well. Yeah, that it's just like yeah. freaking like it made like seventy million dollars or something, yeah. eighty million dollars opening weekend, which is like insanity. Mm. It's good. And I it, mean, I I've never played the video game. But yeah. I think that it just speaks to, you know, I, I heard, a, I read something from a, a fan that had gone to see it open night and said there was just so much in there that wasn't like pandering, but was kind of nodding for the audience. And it's like, if you're going to make this kind of film, you know who you've got to make it for. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they've, they've just knocked it out of the park. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I know that it took quite a lot, but I mean, I know that um, the Marvels is trending at like, the ticket sales are really low, mm. like lower than the Flash. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that does when that comes out on Friday. Well, it yeah. will have come out on Friday um, compared to, you know, these other films. Because I don't, I, I worry. I think that Marvel might be having to rethink their strategy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think if they, I don't know. I think they just kind of need to go back to what worked for them in the beginning and just yeah. make less films and just make one really good film at a time. Mm. I don't know. They need to make more of an event out of going to see a Marvel movie. And right now it's yeah. like, no, another are, one. Yeah. yeah. I just read somewhere that was like, that. I don't know how much of this is just clickbait or if it's, there's actually any, you know, relevance in it, but they, they there's been talks about bringing back the dead characters. Just oh, to yeah, try and boost it, and that. it's just like it's that's that the, is definitely the wrong move. Yeah, yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's silliness. The trouble is though with this Marvel stuff. If you think about it, you know I didn't watch. Was it Miss Marvel, the the TV show? And for that, you know, I don't feel like there's a bankable superhero. I know that um, oh, Brie Larson did really well. And like the yeah. first film that came out, Captain Marvel. See, I can't even remember the titles, but that yeah. I know that that did really, you know, that did well, and people re- responded to it well. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what they could do. Yeah, I mean, I think they. I don't know. They probably won't do this because there's so much money invested in it now. But yeah, if yeah. they just if they just went back to. I know they kind of fumbled it already, so it's like, yeah. what can you do at this point? But, but I, I feel know. like if they had just taken a break after Endgame, that yeah. would have been better. Yeah, and then slowly started releasing films again. But got shareholders, haven't they? They've got mm-hmm. to ramp up the content, and yeah, it's a corporation. Yeah, it's still going to do really well. It's still going to take a lot of money and break even, and you know, be good. Yeah. For them, but uh, yeah, it's nice when films like Five Nights at Freddy's really kind of hit a mark and really do something that um, that these franchises don't, which is get people excited anymore. 
Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, I don't know, I've been thinking about it and I'm, I'm wondering if it's because, uh, you know, Barbenheimer happened and got people back out into the cinemas and then there was such a big push for Killers of the Flower Moon. Which is doing good. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering if the like those two things have gotten people getting back into the cinema. Because it's mostly well, like younger people that are going to see Five Nights at Freddy's. But I feel like maybe that just did so well opening weekend because people, young people were like, okay, well, here's a movie for us. Let's all go. You know, it was more of an event kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, this I think this is the, the issue, right? Is that the... These corporations don't see the twenty-one to thirty demographic as any kind of bankable thing, and that's these are the people that you know. We're not Neanderthals. We like Scorsese and stuff. We will go and see the latest film. It's just give it to us. <laughs> Let yeah. us go and see it. You know, give us more credit. Um, as we saw with Bobby and Oppenheimer. You know, it was the first yeah. time in post-COVID where two tentpole films was released the same day. And they both have, what are they, like the second, the top and third highest grossing film of the year or something like that now. It's like, we can do it. <laughs> you know, we can, yeah. you know, we don't have to, I don't know, be starved for any kind of culture. Yeah. You know. But also, what's cool is like all of these films that are, that have done well. Yeah. Are originals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, five, yep. five Nights at Freddy's, you know, it was based yeah. on a video game, but like, you know, it wasn't. There was it's the first Five Nights at Freddy's movie, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Also, I feel like Josh Hutcherson plays a big part too because he does have a like a a big fan base, I think. Yeah, and I haven't really seen him since, not in anything theatrical since uh, mm-hmm. like Hunger Games. Yeah. But he's probably been doing stuff. But yeah, I mean, same release on the same day on Peacock. Like, they released it on Peacock on the same Mm -hmm. day they released it in cinemas. It still made 70 million. Crazy. Yeah. It's very exciting. I like things like that. I mean, to say that in the... I'm just looking at Box Office Mojo right now while we're talking. And, you know, you get the big big hitters, you know, but there's... um, just having a look down, like Elemental took a lot more than I think Disney were expecting. Um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Mutant Mayhem movie, you oh, know, yeah. not a sequel, even though it is a reboot. Five Nights at Freddy's, um, Scream 6, Megan, all in the top 23, you know, horror films that just did well by word of mouth, really. You know, Scream 6 is a bit more bankable, but Megan, especially. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's uh, it's a good time to be a horror fan in the cinema, Gala. Did you see Megan? Mm-mm. Okay. No, I know that it's not really scary. It's very, it's more like AI based, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's more of a thriller. Yeah. It was fun but to watch it, in cinemas. It was from Blumhouse, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But. Mm. All right, well, what have you been watching? Talking of horror, um, I watched... I mean, it's not really horror, but it is, I guess. It's um, Theatre of Blood from 1973. Have you ever heard of this movie? I don't think so. It's 
you I think you'd really dig it. It's really good. It's um Vincent Price as like a thespian actor who everyone thinks is dead. And then he kind of wreaks revenge on some critics that like overlooked him for an award <laughs> one by one. <laughs> um it's incredible. It's so campy, it's so like gory and well done. Um it's brilliant. There's one point where he plays a hairdresser, um, which is typical seventies representation of a hairdresser. He's got hair like yours <laughs> and like <laughs> bell bottoms. <laughs> yeah. Um it's great. Um it's just really it's just a really fun watch and it's very funny. And there's a lot of stuff in there that kind of kept me chuckling and I knew I was gonna like it. And I liked it better than I ever thought. I think you'd like it too. Yeah, it sounds really good. It looks really good. Yeah. Uh, I I I was actually thinking recently, like I that I want to like watch all of Vincent Price's stuff, mm. or at, or at least like the big hitters, because I don't know how much of his stuff I've seen. Obviously, yeah. he's like a a legend. You yeah. know, he's mm. huge. Um, but um. But yeah, but I was thinking recently, like he he definitely seems like my kind of vibe. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. what I would be really into, and so I don't know why I haven't actually gone and, and sought out all of his films. But um, yeah, because I like really like Twilight Zone, and I really like that kind of like uh, I don't know that theatrical the theatrics yeah. of horror. I guess yeah. where it's like welcome to the night of you know whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, so I'm gonna have to give this a watch. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for theatrics, it's definitely got that. Most of the time it's Vincent Price like giving Shakespeare soliloquies to these very <laughs> scared critics and swinging axes at them. Um <laughs> which just makes for a very fun, entertaining time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um so I gave it four and a half out of five. It's the four and a half out of five day here on Film Church Radio, I think. Yeah. Because um, the next film I watched is a film that's been on my to-watch list for ages, and it's not available on social media. I never see it on streaming. There's been odd times when it's been on TCM, and I've just missed it or not had the channel. Um, so I've been absolutely devastated by it. Um, and it was showing at the BFI in London, and I bought a ticket, but due to family demands, I couldn't go, which was very frustrating. Um, yeah. Then I was just strolling, you know, scrolling through my social media channels one day, and someone was like, "Hey, you do know that it's available on the Internet Archive for free?" Uh, and I was like, "Oh my god, I did not know that." Um, and for anyone that doesn't know, the Internet Archive is a great source of media. They have full books on there that have are in the public domain. It's all legal. Um, there's films on there. There's music. There's loads of stuff. Um, and if you go into Internet Archive, like it's just the full video. There's no ads or anything. I think you have to make an account um, just to kind of borrow it, quote-unquote, because it's kind of like a library. Um, but it's The Crowd from 1928, um, directed by King Vidor, which is always kind of involved in the greatest films of all time discussion or like in the you know the sight and sound poll that they do. The films? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And basically, it's a story, It's you know, not unlike what we haven't seen a million times, but um, a young couple meet and fall in love, and then it's their kind of struggle of, you know, making it in America. Um, 
and it doesn't go the ways that you think it does. It's a bit more of a realist approach to the story. You know, the crowd is kind of what they're trying to break away from. You know, for every success story, there's a million people that didn't make it. And this is like the story of one of the millionth people that didn't make it. Um, and do you know the when we watch The Apartment and there's that great scene of Baxter working at the desk and it kind of just goes on forever and ever? Yeah. It's like that shot in film form. It's like, who are these other people? It's like mm. just one of their stories. Okay. Um, which is really, I mean, it's better than being force-fed, you know, like, you're going to make it if you try hard enough. Yeah. Because it's like, maybe you won't. Not in, like, a negative way, but not everybody does. Yeah. And, and the, I mean, it's kind of like a counterpoint to the apartment in that he starts to move up the ladder because he's doing, you know, letting them use his apartment for sex and stuff, which is not nothing related to his ability. <laughs> in the workplace so it's i think that it's very heavily influenced the apartment and yeah. when i go back for my yearly rewatch of the apartment i'm gonna be thinking a lot about it um but it's really good and move in and just you know not at all what i thought it was going to be when i started watching it so i gave it four and a half out of five boom surprised nice. i'm not uh <laughs> it's good looking forward to watching it again at some point yeah sounds good yeah, I've been watching quite a lot of silent films recently, so this is definitely a good one. Thumbs up. Yeah. King uh, Vidor, mm. are you familiar with him? What else did he do? Um, I'm not. I don't think I've seen a lot of the stuff that he's done. Um, yeah. I think this is the first one I've seen. I've heard him mentioned a lot. I mean, there's, there's films that I've heard of. Um, Stella Dallas with Barbara Stanwyck. Um, there's Duel in the Sun, which is like a, a Western, I believe. Um, kind of worked through silent into sound films. Um, oh, but yeah, I've we'll definitely be... heard of Duel in the Sun from Scorsese, I think. Yeah, but I will be definitely checking out a few more. I think I added Stella Dallas to my watch list because um, I like Barbara Stanwyck. So. That's, that will probably be next if I can find it somewhere. Man, I just want to like watch movies all day. Yeah, oh, this is my constant, constant <laughs> thought, Brandon. I'm just like, there's too many to watch. I need to watch them all day, every day. Yeah, lately it just seems like I've been only able to barely get in the film church films for our discussion. That's what's good. I want to say right now. I mean, this might be sacrilege. I don't know. But silent films are good because if you find them on like YouTube and stuff, you can easily watch them at like 1.5 speed, uh, which is how I've been fitting quite a few in. Because yeah. unless, you know, the title cards come up and it's maybe like a line. So you can read that in the time allotted. But it takes like, you know, less time to watch it. So you can watch an hour and a half film in like 45 minutes. Yeah. So that's how I've been kind of knocking some of these out, just to, especially some of the ones that I've either seen before or are watching for just to kind of tick it off, you know? But yeah, yeah. You can't do that with regular films because everyone says that all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it probably looks more normal with silent films because they, they already seem like they're sped up a little bit. Yeah. And it's like if you ever listen to audiobooks a bit faster, once you get used to the cadence. You don't really realize it's being sped up. Yeah. So once you get used to them like walking a bit faster, it's okay. 
Um, yeah, well, let's move on to our feature presentation. Talking of films we want to knock off our to-watch list, this week we are watching Sorcerer from 1977. The letterbox summary reads, The only wages worth running for, dying for, killing for, are the wages of fear. Four men from different parts of the globe all hiding from their pasts in the same remote South American town, agree to risk their lives transporting gallons of unstable nitroglycerin across dangerous jungle. This has been onto my watch list, as I said last week, um, since William Freakin passed away earlier this year. Um, this is the film that a lot of people kind of was celebrating his life by mentioning or talking about. Um... Which was surprising because The Exorcist is obviously so well known um, yeah. and so loved. So I added it to my watch list and I thought it'd be a perfect time to watch it. Um, had you ever come, like, were you aware of this film, Brandon? Not aware of it at all. Um, mm. Friedkin is a director that has been popping up more and more um, in film stuff I follow. Um, you know, even before he passed away. So yeah. like in the last, say in the last two years, I've been seeing more of him being mentioned. Um, there was like a YouTube interview that I didn't, I didn't watch all of it, but I had watched pieces of it with him. And what's the guy's name? Nicholas Winding Refn. Yeah. Is that how you say mm-hmm. his name? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I haven't seen a ton of his films, but, you know, I've definitely gotten on his IMDb and flipped through his filmography and, you know, it does seem like he's been a very, you know, obviously, like, I think his filmography gets um, overshadowed by The Exorcist, but, you know, you take a look in there and he's been consistently making films, you know, throughout all these years and been working with loads of great actors and um Mm. yeah so i didn't know anything about this movie um earlier this year i did get a chance to watch uh the night they raided minsky's um from 1963 i think or Mm -hmm. sometime in the 60s yeah but uh yeah actually let me just go and grab it real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. grab the VHS. Hold on. Okay, so here's the VHS. Yeah. Nice. Lots of uh craziness on the cover and nefarious yeah. characters. <laughs> um it uh my uh my sister knows that I like to collect VHSs. Um so whenever she's in a place that has VHSs, she'll take a look and see what they have. Nice. I think she got this at an antique store. Um, yeah. Well, here's the here's here's all the ladies on the top of the sign. Yeah. Anyway, so she picked this up. She's like, "This looks interesting," but then she flipped the back over. One of the things you'll see on the back, you'll see the the guy who plays the cowardly lion in oh, yeah. the <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> what caught her attention was um was the description of the film which I'll read to you now. Uh Brit 
Eklund stars as Rachel, a beautiful young Amish woman who leaves her Pennsylvania home and comes to New York in the hope of becoming a dancer. While she initially wants to interpret, <laughs> while she initially wants to interpret interpret biblical passages through dance, she ends up doing something quite different: inventing the striptease. <laughs> anyway, it goes on from there, but yeah. it's like. It's like, wait, so this Amish woman interprets the Bible through dance and invents the striptease. It's like, you read that, you're like, okay, I've got to see this. What the heck is this? (laughs) Anyway, so um, we watched that earlier this year, and it's really good. Yeah. It's like, it reminded me of like... I don't know, it, it it feels like an indie film. Like hmm. it feels like a current indie film. Like the way it's shot, the the way they use the camera. It's a lot of handheld, a lot of like, you know, actors that you don't recognize except for the yeah. Cowardly Lion, of course, in the biggest <laughs> movie of all time. <laughs> but like, you know, it just, you can feel the energy of the, you know, it, it's just early filmmakers like just getting out there and like, making something cool you know yeah yeah um and uh yeah it's really good really great awesome. and and really made me be like man i gotta i gotta watch more of this guy's stuff because this yeah. was a lot of fun so what so, so you approach this with excitement <laughs> yeah definitely i mean i didn't know i didn't know anything about it um and, I and mean, the poster on... kicks ass right it when is you a look cool it poster up, you're like, I want to see this film. Yeah, actually, I'm glad that I didn't actually take a look at the poster before I watched the movie. Yeah. Now that I'm looking at it, because that's definitely like one of the most exciting parts of the mm-hmm. film, right mm-hmm. there. Spoilers: It's the yeah, the truck on the bridge. Mm. Um, but yeah, based on the title and and based on the fact that you know this guy directed The Exorcist, you would think it's going to be some kind of like demonic sorcery (laughs) yeah yeah but it's just the name of the truck right Mm -hmm. it's like what they put on the truck yeah um which is great i mean you watch this film and it i don't know you see i feel i feel like i saw so many um things that it seemed like Spielberg maybe was influenced by. Mm, one of the notes I wrote down was inspiration for Lost World, question mark. Yeah, Lost World. Um, When did this come out? 77. So it's the same year as Jaws. Is that the, right? No, Jaws came out 75 or 76, something. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like the some of the pacing, some of the some of the the way that the scenes are, the, the tension is designed in the scenes yeah definitely felt heavily like spielberg pulled from this yeah um and yeah i had no idea where it was going the whole time i had no idea hmm. what it was going to be about I mean, it's not an, until an hour in the film that you're like, oh, okay, it's about the journey yeah. to take this nitro. But yeah. at that point, you've got... Um, 
what like an hour left yeah of the movie. yeah it's, like it's pretty halfway much halfway through already. yeah yeah but it works i mean that whole opening hour is interesting mm-hmm. you know like it's even though it's not a part of the plot it's like you're I don't know. There's so much texture yeah. in the film. There's so much yeah. like the locations are all interesting. The characters are, are all interesting. Their stories mm. are all interesting. Like you're in, involved in it. You're not like, even though I was a little bit like, I wonder where this is going. Yeah. I was still like engaged completely, you know? Yeah. And it was kind of the same thing with the night they raided Minsky's. There was so, a lot of texture you know, yeah. a lot of like, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like anybody built any sets. It felt like they just went to a location and they were yeah. actually filming around crowds of people, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. which is probably what they did, but I don't, I don't really know. So, yeah, but yeah, I'm not sure either. I, I would assume so with the location. It doesn't, I mean, I, I think it would be hard to recreate those, those locales. Places. Yeah. 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 Um for me yeah I think there's two you know genius kind of I don't know touches to the film. The first is that we get to meet all the characters before we're in this environment. You know, it would have been so easy to have started the film and then tell it through flashback as they kind of going through. But we're yeah. already we get there and we already know that but when they're offered a passage back it's like well what's going to be waiting for you when you get back? For yeah. all of them, you know, there's there's going to really be no... They can't go back to, like, their everyday life. It's already kind of over. This is, like, a last-ditch attempt to do it. Um, But we know the characters apart from the hitman. Like, the only thing we see before this is him shooting someone and getting off a plane. So yeah. there's those seeds yeah. of kind of, we don't trust him from the start. You know, instantly we're like, who... This guy is not going to work as a team. Yeah, yeah, he's you a know? loner. Yeah, which is brilliant because you know you think that you know the four that are going into it, and you quite like them as a do as like a as a team, and then one gets taken away and replaced by this like randomer who you're like, <laughs> who is this? Which yeah. is great. The other thing that I was surprised at is there's two trucks, uh-huh. which is to me was like the okay, <laughs> this is where it's getting interesting because if there was one truck and they set off at like an hour, you're like, okay, I've got an hour at least before it blows up. But with the right. two trucks, you feel like one's gonna. Yeah. You, feel like, you feel like one is the expendable one. Yeah, any, but you don't know which one because there's like the two main leads, I guess, throughout. You know, one in each truck. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I don't know where this is going. Every bump in the road makes you kind of like inhale. <laughs> you know, it's just it's so tense the whole way through. And the yeah. fact that it's only an hour, if it had been stretched out anymore, you would be like, oh, come on. You know, right, how, yeah. it's only 200 miles. How many more obstacles are they going to come across? But it's just the perfect amount of like things that happen to them. Yeah. Well, even like, be... like after the first bridge scene, mm. um, which is the second truck. Yeah. And the guy's like guiding him over the bridge. That That scene was very well done obviously lots of, of mastery intention yeah but i was thinking as it was happening like why don't you guys just 
take the boxes out of the truck, then yeah. drive the truck over because it's a small bridge. Yeah. The second one makes more sense because it's like, you know, there's a storm and it's like wobbly, mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah. like, yeah, I was like, just take the boxes out, then drive over. Mm. Yeah. Then carry the boxes over. It's like yeah. not a long bridge. But, and then when they get to the second bridge, I was like, okay, another bridge? Like, yeah. Yeah. is that the only way we're going to create tension? But, I mean, that, that, that was like a fleeting thought. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, it, it wasn't like I was being, I, it sounds like I'm being more critical than I actually was because I really, yeah. really enjoyed both of those scenes a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it's just nail biting. Yeah, it's like Gripping. being a, it's like being you know forced to do something. You you got to sit and watch them cross this bridge, which is incredibly tense and nail biting. They make it across, and you're like, oh, thank God. And then within twenty seconds, it's like, hey, let's go and do that again, <laughs> but with higher stakes. Yeah. yeah. You know, and yeah. it's just like, no, I don't know if my like if my nerves can take it a second time. Yeah. Especially when the like the bridge breaks and he's clinging on and the truck is coming towards him. Yeah. Just like, my God, you know, it's, it's like heightened from the first one so much already. And the first one is tense. Yeah. Well, especially when the guy falls in the falls on the bridge, like falls in the hole and the truck is coming. Yeah. I mean, I already, when they, when they got the team together, I was like, this guy's going to be the first one to go. Mm. (laughs) So like, because he just, just seemed the least interesting of the characters, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know. He just seemed like the expendable one, but he lasted yeah. a lot longer than I expected. Especially when he's setting up the bomb to blow up the tree. Yeah, yeah. You're like, this is, something's going to go wrong here. Yeah. But he didn't at that nope. point. <laughs> no. Nope. And that was that may be one of the most satisfying explosions on camera. Yeah. Because it's kind of quiet up into that moment. And then when that goes off, it's like, ba-boom. It's so loud and bright and big. Yeah. (laughs) It's, yep. I'm like, this is good. (laughs) They did it, you know. Boom, baby. Yeah. Good stuff. the path. Yes. Um, Roy, is it Scheider? I've I've always said Schneider. And I think that's just. I know. I was like, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. But there's no N in there. No, so it must be Scheider. Roy Scheiter. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Roy Scheider. <laughs> it's Roy Scheider, not Scheider. Not Shatter. No. Um <laughs> I've only really seen him in I think he was in French Connection, but Jaws. I mean mostly Jaws. Yeah, of course. Um He's great. Dude, he is such a classic actor. Like I was thinking, mm-hmm. like in one, of, like in the one of the early scenes when he gets into the country, and he uh, he's just like sitting in the bar, and then he like yeah. he's like walking. He like goes outside. He starts walking down the street, and he puts his hat on. And he's just walking away from the camera. I was like, man, I don't, I can't think of any actor that. It currently mm. that I can compare yeah. to. Yeah. Like he just feels so if he feels he feels like out of another time, which he is, but like I mean like like Humphrey Bogart kind of style. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like 
Like he just... looks great in a suit and a trilby. He looks great, dirty and disheveled. He looks great in madness. You know, it's just he's he must be a director's dream. Yeah, because he just like everything he pulls off. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's mad. Yeah, and he's so good. Yeah, he's so he good. Is. You never feel like he's acting. No, he just feels like a real like I don't know man's man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. And then we've got the French, um, like main driver, I guess, like the other kind of side of the coin, um, played by Bruce Clemmer. Clemmer, I guess. Um, yeah, his story is super interesting, and not you know, he's just hiding out because he's embezzled all his money, <laughs> and he's been you know found of insider trading. Yeah, um, I love the scene. I mean, it's so, so well done. How he when the guy. Because I was like, are we going to see this like multiple times where the guy comes to see him and it's like, he won't like give you the money. He's not going to bail you out. And he's like, no, you go and ask him again and make sure he does. And I was like, I don't know where this scene's going. And then obviously like his companion like shoots himself. Yeah. Which is incredibly like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then he run, he goes back in, says, oh, tell my wife I've been called away. And then he literally runs from the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> which is quite funny. In a weird yeah. way. I just yeah. love him kind of standing there for a second and then just taking off, like, running around the corner. <laughs> All right, I'm going to run. Yeah. I'm on foot now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it reminded me, I just rewatched a, a sketch from the comedy show, I Think You Should Leave, on Netflix. Mm. And there's, like, a bit in there where... I won't ruin the, the, the bit. Yeah. Well, the first part of the bit. I'll ruin the end. <laughs> but uh, there's a part where... Um, Tim Robinson is like trying to get away in a car and he like drives over a like a um you know like a cement like parking thing like yeah. to stop you from going forward. He drives over it and gets stuck. And then so then he's like you know there's like this guy yelling at him or whatever. And they're having this argument and then at the the way the sketch ends is he's just like, "Oh yeah, I can run." And he just gets out of the car and starts <laughs> running off. <laughs> <laughs> so it just kind of reminded me of that it's like all right <laughs> bye <laughs> it was great i did it gave me a little bit of a chuckle because it's very like dark until that point yeah. i was like oh cool you take off dude you know his <laughs> wife looking through the window like where the hell's he going uh-huh. just running through the fields um did you have any indication that he was going to die you know because i was thinking when he gives the letter to like the guy who organizes it all. I was like, that's my, that sh- as a lover of film, I should be like, yeah, he's going to die because he's given, you know, there's something, there's like a legacy for him to leave. You know, he's not going to. Yeah. But at the time, I did not think of it at all. When he died? Or... Like when he gives the letter across. I wasn't oh, like, yeah. yep, your time's up, fella. You know. Yeah, I think, I think the film, like it does a good job of at that point, you know, you're an hour into the film. You still don't really know where it's going. Yeah. Because yeah. none of the characters are... None of the characters exactly feel like they're the main character. No. Um. The only reason you might feel like uh, Roy Scheider is 
is because he's like in Jaws, you know. He's yeah. Like, oh, the, the main American, guy. You know? Yeah. But um. But you know, the film doesn't open with him, right? Mm. So like. No, it doesn't. Yeah, he's he's either third. Yeah. Person we see because we see the assassin first, and then the um the guy who makes the bomb. Yeah. And then it's him. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think at that point you just don't know. You feel like you're on a journey, like, you you know, whatever. You wouldn't be surprised either way. Yeah. But yeah. it's the movie still manages to surprise you. I know, the way that it happens as well. Yeah, yeah. They get through all these obstacles and then a tire blows. Yeah, and it's, and it's so- just it's in the middle of their conversation like it's just so unexpected it's just that the it's not you know the movie is like building all these moments of tension where it's like uh uh, yeah but then when it happens (laughs) it's no tension yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and it's it is so matter of fact there's no kind of reverse angle of it blowing up the tire blows it goes off the road it explodes we cut to the other truck you know, kind of coming around the corner, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, you well, know? and it takes a minute for it to explode, too, because it's like the tire yeah. blows, you get, like, the reaction shots, then you get the shot of the truck flipping over the freaking mm. hill, Yeah, and then it, boom. Blows, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's so So it, it gives you a moment to be like, oh, it's yeah. coming. It's yeah. coming. Like, <laughs> and then it happens, and it's just like, oh, uh, Man, like, yeah, damn, it's brill, yeah, yeah, yeah. That and whole thing, I was just like, I was just like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck I know, fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you get the gorillas in the like in the jungle coming out to try and rob them when they just, yeah. you know, it's it's so and you don't know how that's gonna end either. No. It's like another yeah. brilliant, yeah, um. You kind of just like, oh, take it. (laughs) Take the truck. And I think that's probably what Roy Scheider's doing as well. He's just like, it's full of food and supplies. And they're like, okay, we'll take it. And he's like, thank God. (laughs) Get it Uh gone. You know, I don't want to be around this anymore. Um, But unfortunately, he has to keep driving. Yeah. He makes it. He does it. He did it. Good job, Roy. Yeah, his life's about to get so much better because he did this. Oh, no, wait. That's not the message of the film. <laughs> the message <laughs> of the film is, who cares? You're already dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I mean, what happens at the end? Like, you know, like his, that's his friend, right? That sent him over, like gave him. I, I, isn't it the the guy who they shot's brother who wanted him dead? I think. When he's like, you've got to get out of town. The bishop or the vicar you shot his brothers once you, once you dead, isn't that him? Uh, I don't know. It's one of them. I think it would add an extra layer if it is his friend that told him to get out of town, because that would mean that he's been like recruited to find him by this other guy. But um, yeah, I mean, he dies, right? That's he gets shot. Is there a gunshot? Mm-hmm. Oh, the last okay. thing is like a good shot, yeah. And then it, the credits crawl. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, any of them 
though, apart from maybe the um, the assassin fella, any of them probably wouldn't have like gone back to the life that they wanted anyway. No. I think he realizes that it's like the thing he's been holding on to the whole time is like, I just need the money and the passport to get out of here. And then when it's in front of him, he's like, what am I going back to? I'm just going to go and die. He doesn't even have to leave. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very, I don't know, depressing ending. You don't feel, you don't come out of it like, ah, they did it. Hey, you made it. You know. Did you get some Reservoir Dogs vibes? I didn't, but now that you say it, it makes a, you know, yeah. There's definitely some influences there. Especially the the opening, like, heist and all that. And then the way that the car, the inside the car is filmed mm-hmm. with all, you know, four yeah. of the gangsters, like, before they have the crash or whatever. Yeah, I think uh, I definitely. I mean, I only watched it once, so like yeah. a, a lot of the opening scenes and intros to the characters, um, were hard to keep track of. Yeah, the first, you know, for this first watch because I wasn't quite sure what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and then. Uh, yeah, so I think now that I know, like the you know all who who I'm supposed to be paying attention to, it, it might be easier. Yeah. Uh, to kind of pick up on a lot more the second time around. Mm. But I'm trying to click through that part of the movie where uh, the guy tells him where to go. See if I can see <laughs> if it's the same guy. Oh, did you notice Friedkin also? I think I he was notice. the priest. But was he really? Yeah. Hmm. That would make sense. Since the last film was more about faith. You know, kind of that link between the two. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't notice him, but it it's based... I mean, the at the end, he thanks um, H.G. Cluzo, who directed... I mean, this is a remake of Wages of Fear from 1953. Directed by Cluzo, um, which I think, you know, sound they sound pretty similar. I have got Wages of Fear, but I've never, I haven't watched it yet. Um, but yeah, I think that it's it's quite a similar premise. So I'll be interested to see how this one is. Wages of Fear is what now? Sorry, is the film that it's based on? It's kind of this is a remake of Wages of Fear. Got you. Yeah, and Cluzo did. A really great, like Hitchcockian film called Diabolique, which is uh-huh. brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely say that this is on my to watch list, The Wages of Fear, after this. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I saw um, a little clip on YouTube of Friedkin uh, introducing this film to an audience and basically saying it's the film that he's like most proud of it's like the only film that he wouldn't touch yeah i or mean like... yeah it's pretty great yeah and it's i think that you know the directorial decisions are really clever as well 
Yeah, for because sure. even with the rain and like with crossing the bridge and stuff, you never feel like you're being shortchanged. That it's like the camera is tricking you into seeing what you're not seeing. You know, when the yeah. bridge is like breaking, it's it's actually snapping while the truck is going over it. You know, and when it's swaying, it is like nearly tipping over. It's I don't know how they got some of these shots or who was driving that vehicle because it's yeah, it's brill. It's it's so like entertaining. Yeah, for sure. Mm. The uh, so it is his. It is the guy who um, who basically tells him mm. where to go. All right, you know how uh, he's like. I don't know where you're going. Yeah. Ooh. So he's obviously been asked to find him. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, everybody dies. <laughs> You did. Yeah. Oh, dear. But they saved the country, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or the village. Oh, man. It's good. The village. It's good. It's good. Um, The action's really well shot. The stories are really well fleshed out. You know, each one is a believable person. Um. Yeah, it's an entertaining film. I would yeah. highly recommend it. If you haven't watched it yet and you've listened to us talk about it, what are you doing? We just Go and watch it, it first. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've, <laughs> it's better if you don't know what's going to happen. Unless you're one of those people that reads the last page first of any book. I don't understand that. But you should definitely go and watch it if you haven't. Um, anything else you want to say about Solstra, Brian? Um, no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, William Freakin, he's brilliant. Um, some other recommendations if you're, you know, like us and kind of only seen maybe The Exorcist. I mean, French Connection, I always forget, is Freakin', um, which is really good. Cruising is brilliant. It's um, Al Pacino going undercover in like the New York gay scene to find a serial killer. Um, it's ace. I would recommend Cruising. Yeah, definitely really, really good. Um, they're the ones I've seen. Obviously, you would recommend recommend The Night They Raided Minsky's. Yeah. Um, which I do want to see now. Britt Eklund accidentally inventing the striptease. Cool. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's got a new film out. It's like literally just come to stream in the Canine Mutiny Court Martial. Um, with Kiefer, Sutherland, uh, Kiefer Sutherland in it, um, which seems to be a bit of like a courtroom drama, which is getting quite good reviews. So there's a lot of freaking out there if you want to kind of fill in those gaps. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fill definitely. in those freaking gaps. Yeah. And there's a film that sounds right up your alley, Brandon, with Matthew McConaughey called Killer Joe. Yeah, I was looking at that. Um, I think I'm pretty... No, actually, I don't think it's the same film I'm thinking of, but... Yeah, I mean, Matthew McConaughey, Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, mm-hmm. you know. There's, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot in there to be going on. It doesn't seem like any of his films are the same as any other. Yeah, which is great. Which is that's cool. the kind of, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the dream, dude. It's like yeah. to, to just make films and not... Not have to be like, you know, because like with Spielberg, there's just so much expectation. 
yeah. to be a Spielberg film. Yeah. But, you know, or like if you make a, you know, a horror movie, you're expected to like keep making horror movies. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I want to, I'm going to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. Well, do you want to go ahead and guess what we've rated it on Letterboxd? Yeah. Um, hmm. This might be a five out of five for you. Mm-hmm. I think you rated it four and a half. Okay. I actually haven't even really thought about no. what I rated it. Um, but you would be right. I did rate it five. Yeah. I thought I, it was. I don't know how it could be improved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. It's like, you know, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think it is a yeah. five out of five. Awesome. And I think one that you would enjoy going back to rewatch again. It's not like, wow, that was great. I think I've got everything out of it. I think it would be like, no, I want to go back and, you know, learn, focus on a different character. It's a bit like Seven Samurai. I want to go back and maybe not be looking for Roy Scheider everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So, hey. Hey. 10 out of 10 from FCR. (laughs) So, if that ain't a recommendation... I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, what are we going to be watching next week? So, I decided to kind of keep the same vibes. People Ooh. going on a journey in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Um, highly regarded and talked about film, nominated for three Oscars, nineteen seventy-two. Three guys on a canoe. Do you know what it is? Is it horror re- adjacent? Maybe. I actually is, don't really know. Is it's it thriller? A- adventure drama thriller. Is it Deliverance? Yes. I kn- I've added it to my watch list like <laughs> earlier this year. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Burt Reynolds. John Voight. Yeah. Oh man, I've heard it's pretty spooky. Yeah. Cool. Yep. <laughs> You're excited. I'm excited. That's going to be fun. Yeah, this has been on my watch list for uh, nine years, I think. Yeah. But because uh, I also took a journey on a canoe. Um, well, I don't think it's the same journey. Well, I was going to say, we can compare notes next yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh... Yeah, I'm excited. I I think this is uh yeah, I've been wanting to watch it for a while. So Aces. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. Looking forward to knocking that off the list. Um so that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio, and you can follow us individually on Letterboxd. Brandon is at Summon Scope. I am at Walker Lewis three zero zero seven to keep up with what we've been watching. We also have all of our back episodes streaming on all good podcast platforms. So go ahead, leave us a rating and a review so we know if you like the film. If you didn't know what you would pick for us to watch in the future, if you have any questions for Brandon and I that you want us to answer, please send them in. We're looking forward to hearing anything that you may want to ask. Thank you so much for being here, and we hope to see you next Sunday for more Film Church Radio. The only thing left to say is... What are you going to do with all that money, you hump? Talk to me. What are you going to do? Get laid. Best whore in Managua. Two whores. Two best whores in Managua.
You do it. For me. <laughs> we need to soundbite that and get laid. Film <laughs> <laughs> Church Radio. So much feeling. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen.